All right. Hello, everybody. How we doing on a Wednesday night? Amen. It's good to be at church in the house of the Lord, man. Hallelujah. Hebrews 1025 tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. And our First Amendment of the United States tells us that uh, that they aren't allowed to tell us that we can't worship together. Congress can't make a law prohibiting the free exercise of your faith and religion. And they cannot prohibit uh, peaceful assembly. Well, we're assembling and we're all very peaceful right now. Are you feeling that peacefulness? So, amen. I feel good. And I talked to our insurance company and an attorney today, and when I told them they were meeting, they said, great job. So praise God. <laughs> so we're we're blessed. Amen. Love everybody. Thanks for the great turnout tonight. Um, we got a lot going on. School. I know you all been hearing about school stuff. It's like every day we get a new email or a new phone call saying... Just kidding. We're doing something else. So, uh, so this doesn't apply to everybody, but to those of you that have, uh, kids in the house, I'm seeing parents and moms on Facebook. I'm homeschooling my kids. What am I going to do? Well, we all are. Everybody's now a homeschooler and, uh, we don't have any choice about it. So we're going to do the very best we can, but we're doing some exciting stuff here as a church family to try to help out with that. So I'm going to let Katie talk about that. We just had a great meeting with a lot of the parents just a little bit ago about it's called a church and homeschool or church slash school co-op where we can help each other out a little bit. So I'll let Katie explain that. 
Um, in case you were not at the meeting, we are just looking to support our families um, who just need help educating their kids, need help managing the situation, and need help as a family, just some encouragement. So that's what we're about, right, is we want to be equipped to live victorious lives. So this homeschool thing is not something that God didn't know about, not something that he didn't see coming, uh, but he does have a plan for a hope and a future and not for you to be crying in the corner. So um, he has good plan for each of us and a good plan for our kids as well. So we want to make sure that if you are interested in having some help, interested in having some assistance, stop me and I will be glad to give you some interest forms. We don't have a full out plan yet. We're just looking for what your family would be interested in so we can organize it a little bit better. We're looking to do one or two days a week for an hour or two where we get together, give the kids some social time and um, give the parents some assistance and out of the house, some extracurricular stuff, knowing that things are limited. We know for some families, this is a long-term situation. We also know for some families, if school opens in September, they're out of this quick. So we understand it may be short term. So you're not signing, you know, for the rest of your life. This is just something we'd like to know what your interest level is and what we can do to be of help to you and to your family. So stop me after service or you're welcome to message Pastor Dave on Facebook or Instagram and we'll make sure to get you that information. We have some people even tonight who are, they got that phone call yesterday and today and are just panicking. Um, but God has a plan and we are glad to be a part of that plan and glad to be of assistance and support and love to you. All right. Very good. So we're trying to help each other out, right? Amen. We're in this together. Hallelujah. And uh, this is a, my second announcement, and this is just off the cuff, but I recommend that you bring a bottled water to church because everyone keeps asking me for water. And <laughs> we usually have the water t- cooler out there, but we've taken that out for the time being for sanitation reasons. So just a friendly life hack, Pastor Dave reminder, bring a bottled water and then you won't be thirsty and dehydrated. Somebody say amen to that. Come on right now. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, wait, we got more. Or... If you want to bring a case of waters, you can leave it at the door. I'm not allowed to provide you water. I know that sounds totally ridiculous, but some of these rules are just, they're totally ridiculous. So if you want to bring a case of water and leave it in between the two double doors and share it with everybody, you're more than welcome to. I just can't be the one to do that. Hey, let's hear it for water. Who loves water? Yeah. <laughs> There's more. Sorry. I keep being like, oh, Um, so I wanted to tell you with our homeschool co-op thing too, um, amidst talking to insurance and the attorney today and them telling me, yay, we're meeting, even though they quietly have to say shame on you. They were like, yes, you're awesome. Um, but the homeschool co-op, we totally got free and clear, absolute approval to have it on the church property and no questions asked. So that's a really big deal, knowing that any worship services of any kind are technically illegal. So we got absolute approval today, and we're going to roll forward with it. And I'm just so grateful that we have people supporting us, and we have God making a way where there seems to be no way. All right, very good, very good. So we are blessed. All right, well, let's go ahead and take up our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. What do we call that? It is happy time because 
God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. It is more blessed to give than receive. The ushers have a bucket there with envelopes in it, and it's a sanitized bucket. If you want to grab an envelope of your own, you can grab that. And uh, Or if you want to give by phone or online, you can go to hdwc.org slash giving. Let's look at a verse together tonight in Psalm 37. Let's look at Psalm 37. Amen. Psalm 37. And I was looking at a few verses here just a minute ago, and a couple of these really stood out to me and caught my attention. And it really speaks to us where we're at right now. But Psalm 37, and we're going to look here at verse 18. I'm in the NLT. Psalm 37 and verse 18. It says, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Well, praise God. That's us. We're the innocent. Why? Because we're so awesome. No, because Jesus is so awesome. And by his grace and by his blood, he has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We stand before God innocent because of Jesus. And so it says right there that we'll receive this inheritance that lasts forever. Verse 19, they will not be disgraced in hard times. Did you hear that? The godly, the innocent, the righteous... They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. Come on, somebody. That's, I mean, to say that in 2020 when the rest of the world's like, what are we going to do? Listen, for the godly, it says, even in times of famine, we will have more than enough. Now, it'd be okay to just say, well, we've got enough, but that's not even good enough for God. God says, I don't want you to have enough. I want you to have more than enough. That's good news. That is really good news right there. Verse 20, it says, but the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They disappear like smoke. Verse 21, the wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. There it is right there. Why is it that God protects and blesses and, 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 and provides for the, the righteous? And why does God provide for his people even in times of famine? Because they are generous givers. You reap what you sow, give, and it shall be given unto you. So we've been planting these seeds. We've been given. We've been, we've been helping other people out for all these years. And then in a time of famine, God says, hey, you're way ahead of the rest of them. You are already prepared for this. You've got harvest coming even in a dry season. You've got more than enough to take care of every single one of your needs. Who thinks that God is absolutely awesome tonight? That he would do that for us. And we're way ahead, totally prepared for anything that comes because we've been planting those seeds. Amen. I'm all excited, man. I just read that and I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling happy right now, Robert. All right. So I better stop because dad's going to preach tonight and I'm going to get going. Then we're going to be here all night. So amen. Let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over our giving. And I remind you that this isn't just our tradition. These aren't just some words that we say together. This isn't a chant. This isn't just something we do, but these are words of faith over our giving. And I encourage you, speak these words over your money and release your faith over your money because God wants to keep blessing you no matter what's going on in this world. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, 
growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand up together for some praise and worship. Let's sing. He takes our place and stands in front of God on high. He speaks on our behalf when we don't have the right. He pleads before the God who judges hearts of men. Our mediator serves the sentence for our sin. There is only of our chains. We have redemption through the cross that He has paid. He gave His life to purchase from the fall. Our mediator was the ransom for us all. There is only one God. There is only
Yes, Lord, we, you're so great, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. You give life and you give love. We're going to sing and worship you tonight and tell you how great you are, Lord. We thank you, Lord.
Glory to God. It's so wonderful to see all these supernatural people. Say, I'm a supernatural person. I'm not just ordinary. I'm super ordinary. Because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, they're not just with me. They live in me. Say that again. Say, God lives in me. I'm not just helpless. I'm not hopeless. I'm not confused. Because the Creator of everything lives inside of me. I've I've got His wisdom. I've got His power. I've got His ability. I've got His love. Inside me. Look at your neighbor. And say, do you believe that? It's not a feeling. It's a Bible fact. Amen. Now you're ready to get edified tonight. We're going to help you. We are. Somebody can clap if they want to. Amen. Title of the message tonight is, We Can Love and Do What Jesus Did. We can love and do what Jesus did. And we got we got the outline tonight, but before we get into the outline, it's going to be on the screen in a minute. I want to look at a couple of verses. Actually, the the message closes with it, but I realized as we were worshiping, you need to see these up front, these two verses. Look at John chapter 14, verse 12. And it's a good time to get excited right now. Uh, the influence of my life that taught me so many things was Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. I didn't really know him personally around him a lot, but never, I wasn't uh, close to him where he actually knew me, but he taught me through books, through seminars I went through, through tapes, and everything else. And I said that to say this. Brother Hagin used to make this statement. He said, your level of excitement about the Word of God shows your level of excitement about Jesus. Because the Word of God is Jesus talking to us. If you get excited about God's Word, you're excited because Jesus is going to talk to you. And that's why I always encourage you, when we open our Bibles, begin to talk, and we, especially we open our first scripture, that's a good time to shout and get excited because you know that Jesus is getting ready to talk to you. Amen? Amen. John chapter 14, verse 12. John 14, verse 12. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you... Now this is so important, these next few words. He that believeth on me. And so Jesus is getting ready to talk to anybody, whether it's back then the people he was with faith to face, are the ones today that hear the word of God. He said, He that believeth on me. And so in my Bible, I wrote these words. I wrote... He's talking about me because I believe on him. And so when we hear these verses right here, and this is why I had you say that you're a supernatural person. That you can do what Jesus did because he says right here, he that believeth on me. And so we take the Bible literally, not just as something, it's a history book. Jesus said that he is the living word. And so this is the written word. But the written word is given to us to reveal the living word. Jesus said, he that believeth on me. 
at the times we're living in right now, the people that are followers, disciples, and believers of Jesus have the answers. And I'll tell you something else. I'm just, I'm just going to say it again. I said this Sunday, I don't go for the new normal. The Word of God is my normal. The Word of God is my normal. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus never said that the Bible is going to be good until we hit 2020 and the world gets attacked. He told us the world was going to be attacked already. He talked about end times, talked about how bad things would be. But Jesus said we're in the world, not of the world. And so he tells us right here how we're to conduct ourselves. I want to say this. I turned 69 years old last Friday. I've been a born-again Christian for 40 and a half years. I've never seen such an opportune time to preach the gospel. I've never seen a time where people are more ready for answers than they are right now. They're watching the news. They're around a bunch of messed up people all the time. They're all messed up, goofed up, flaked up, and every kind of up there is. But the whole thing is, they want to know what the truth is. And the Bible's the truth. And when you're living what the Bible says you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to live, they're going to look to you for answers because the Bible says they're going to come to you for answers. It said, be ready always to give an answer. And that's what we're going to be doing tonight, talking about how to be ready to give them answers and the answers to give them. But the thing is, they're depressed, they're oppressed, they're suicidal, they're confused. They don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I know what's going to happen tomorrow. Same thing that always happened yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still real. The Bible's still real. Eternity's still real. Heaven's still real. Hell's still real. And all these things on the earth, he wants us to have and enjoy a good life. He told us that. And so, so many verses he told us over and over again. He wants us blessed, wants us blessed, wants us blessed. But it's a choice. We always have a choice whether we're going to go with the world or go with God. And go with God, we know what the will of God is through good times, bad times, in different times around us. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And since Jesus and the Word are one, that means the Word of God's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And the only thing that changes is circumstances around us. And so we as Christians, we can be under the circumstances. And you know what I mean by that? Somebody says, well, how are you doing? Well, uh, under the circumstances... Well, we're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to take authority over the circumstances and change what is. Amen? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. And faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. I can't change things for people with my faith that don't want it. But for people who receive what I have from the Word of God, I can help change how they see things, change how they think, and then they can change things in their lives. Amen. John fourteen twelve says, He that believeth on me. So he's getting ready to tell me something about me because I'm a believer. And how many here's believers? Jesus is getting ready to tell you something right now. The works that I do shall he or she do also. Jesus said, What I do, if you are a believer in me, he said, You can do it too. Somebody said, That's too good to be true. Well, if it's not too good to be true, then it's not gospel. Because the gospel means good news. And Pastor Dave went through a great discourse a few weeks ago to tell us what all those words mean. 
But the main thing is, the gospel is too good to be true. It's too good to be true that when a pastor gets diagnosed with stage 4 blood cancer and has 99% blockage in his heart, that Jesus will heal him and he'll finish out everything God wants him to do. That's too good to be true. But that's the gospel. That's the good news. Amen. Amen. That it's too good to be true when you got a family with a divorce. I'm looking at a family right now with a divorce. And then they came back together in the love of God, Jesus. They're going to finish everything God has for the family to do together. That's too good to be true. That's the gospel. Jesus said, the works that I do. And shall you do also. But then look at this, what he said. He said, he should also a greater works than these shall I do because I go unto my Father. Because I go unto my Father. And so what does that have to do with anything because he goes to the Father? It has everything to do with our life. If Jesus had not died, went to hell, took our sin, took our punishment, took the curse for us, then been raised from the dead as a sacrificial lamb of God, raised from the dead, then went to the Father to sit at the right hand of the Father, that he could have sent the Holy Spirit to change our lives. Because he went to the Father, when he went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And the Holy Spirit now is poured out upon all flesh and lives in us. And because he went to the Father, we're brand new people. And that's why Jesus could say, what I did, you can do also. And even greater works. One thing that Jesus couldn't do while he was on earth, he could not get people born again and give them eternal life while he was still here. We could share the gospel for people to receive eternal life. Jesus couldn't do that because eternal life comes when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord God raised him from the dead. He was not raised from the dead when he's on the earth. And so all the great things that Jesus did, the one thing he couldn't do was give eternal life to people while he was still here. Then when he went back up to heaven, he said, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth that is baptized shall be saved. They couldn't get saved until he went. He said, I go to the Father and you can do something greater than I did. You can share the gospel. They can be born again. That's good preaching. Amen. And so Jesus said we can do what he did. And then I want to look at Acts 10, 38. And then we'll get to what I have that I really want you to get tonight. Acts 10, 38. And I want, to, I want you to see some of the works that Jesus did. It says how God anointed. I'll wait till you get there. I still see pages turning and. I'll tell you what, I've been in too many services where you got fast-talking preachers and they're already two or, three, two or three passages ahead of where you wanted to be and you didn't get to see the first one. So when I see the pages quit turning, then we'll look at it. Acts 10, 38, Jesus said we'll do the works that he did. It says how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Let me ask you this. How many here have received the Holy Ghost and the power of God? Amen. And so Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And because you're a born-again believer, you, number one, if you've never been filled the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues, you've still got the Holy Spirit in you. you got new life in you. But then there's a step forward that you take and get filled with the Holy Ghost. But he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, he went about doing good. And what was some of the good that he did? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
Jesus was about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How many here are anointed? Amen. It's not a feeling. It's Bible. He gives you the anointing because you're a believer. All believers have anointing, but then when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you're a tongue-talking believer, then the power of God shows up in a great way. And says he went about doing good. Oh, Jesus went around signing petitions to try to change things. He petitioned Congress. And he made marches. And he handed up bottled water because it's so hot outside. Nope. Jesus did not do the natural things like that that anybody could do. Saved and unsaved people could sign petitions. Saved and unsaved people could do marches. Saved and unsaved people could go through the park and hand out water to people that are thirsty. But Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I said a minute ago, I've never seen a time in 69 years, 40 and a half years as a Christian, that people are so oppressed. People are messed up now. We're starting to go on five months of being in this world crisis. The eternity's a whole lot longer. <clears throat> the Great Tribulation will be a whole lot longer. And so this is, this is, this is preemptive for the Great Tribulation that's coming. I mean, we're nowhere close to that at all. But the thing is, you probably see a whole lot more people than what I do. I'm out in Newberry Springs on a farm and I don't come around people much because I'm just not around people and have no reason to come out. But I, I get out and I get to go to stores and go to places. I see those faces. I see the fear in their eyes. I see the uncertainty not knowing what's going on. And I know that a lot of people are getting government checks and things right now because the government decided to you know, give people some money that right now there's debates going on in Congress. Are they going to keep on giving money? How much are they going to give? How long are they going to give it? What are they going to do? And then a lot of people looking at their jobs thinking, I'm going to get to go back to work. And now they're finding out they can't go back to work yet. They look at all those hungry faces in their house. They look at all the different tests and medicines and maybe they will, maybe they won't. And then what's happened to them, they're getting oppressed. Jesus went about doing good and doing what? Healing who? All that were oppressed. The works that he did shall who do also? Us. And so we have to understand, we, and we're going to see this in the word of God, we are not just ordinary people. Jesus lives in us. The same Holy Ghost that he had that anointed him is the same Holy Ghost that we have that anoints us. There's not a different Holy Ghost. There's only one Holy Ghost. There's only one God. And so the same God that was with him is the same God that's with us. <clears throat> and I made a statement a while ago, I want to say it again. God is not just with us, he's in us. Amen. <clears throat> and so I want to get back now to the start of where I want to head to for you. Go to Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to look at verse 36 to 39. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 39. And I want you to see some things here that maybe you've seen them, maybe you haven't. But the Word of God is where faith comes from. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh from hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And I quote a lot of scriptures, but I, I'd like you to write them down and remember them if you don't know them and learn them. But that's how faith comes. So right now, the people watching this and the people that are in here, faith has come into your heart right now to do the works of Jesus. 
I want to say that again. Faith is coming into your heart right now. I have another verse to write down is Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Write this one down. I'm not going to look at it. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. The new birth is instantaneous. When you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, make me a new person, Jesus. There's a miracle takes place in whatever a microsecond is, a millisecond, whatever it is, instantaneously on the inside, you change. But then the renewal of the mind is a process. If you don't change your mind to get agree with the Word of God, you'll still think like an unsaved person. You'll still think like the Word thinks, like the world thinks. They think fear. They think helpless. They think sick. They think, what are we going to do? They think confusion. They think lost. They think it's all over. They don't know what to think. But when your mind is renewed, like Romans 12, 2 says, then your mind begins to think like the God in your spirit thinks. Your spirit is where Jesus is. Your mind is hooked up the world all around you. But the more you get your mind thinking like the Bible the easier God is to use you because you start to think right. And so Matthew 22, verse 36, a lawyer came to him saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Talk about the Ten Commandments. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. He said, If your spirit, with your soul, with your mind... Love God with everything you can. He says, this is the first and the great commandment. And the second, second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we got to know that Jesus was talking to Jews living under the Mosaic law about the Ten Commandments. And he said the most important ones were, love God with all your heart. And then one of the main ways you show God you love him is love people as you love yourself. Is to love people as you love yourself. <clears throat> but when you think about it, under the, under the Ten Commandments, when you think about it, if you're having a bad day, if you're having a bad day as a person's not born again, or if you're having a bad day as a Christian that hasn't trained yourself, hasn't trained yourself how to love people even in bad times, then you might put down on yourself and those around you might become a verbal target. If you're loving people, if you love yourself, how many know people that go around saying things like, I'm just a loser, I can't do anything right. Everything I touch breaks. Everything I, ta- I, I touch turns to dung. Nothing I can do right. I hurt everybody around me. I'm mean. I'm terrible. I'm a loser. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm living just like I always used to. I'm just a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Well, that person, if they love their neighbor as they love themselves, I don't want to be the neighbor that's around them. I don't want to be the person that goes to work with them. 
I don't want to be that husband or wife that lives in the same house with them. I sure don't want to be the child that lives there. If dad and mom think that way about themselves, then I'll tell you what, everybody around them is a target. Amen. But when, you, when you're having a good day, how many have ever worked for a boss that you never know today when he comes in how he's going to be acting? One day he comes in, and man, he wants to give you all bonus. He wants you to take a long lunch hour. He wants to buy your lunch, wants to be good because he had a really great day. Maybe him and his wife had a really good time this morning. Who knows? You know, they might have got up and had a really good breakfast or whatever. And... What, what are, you, are you guys laughing at? <laughs> well, I know where your minds are now. But no, the guy comes in and he's treating everybody good. Well, the next day, they didn't have a good time. And he comes in and he, he, he kicks the dog that's laying outside the door. He unloads on everybody. And you never know what he's going to do because that's how he lives. That's the kind of love he lives in. That Old Testament love before the new birth, that's how he lived. And so in the Old Testament, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But now look at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And you've embarrassed me. I feel my face kind of lit up and I'm kind of sweating. Because I really wasn't thinking that way, but you were, so that's okay if you're married. If you're married. John 13, verse 34 and 35. I'll wait till you get there because I want to make sure you see it. And you may have never seen things like this before, but that's why you need to see them. Because if we're going to do the works of Jesus, we've got to live like Jesus. If we're going to cast out demons and help people and get them healed, we're going to have to walk in the love of God. So John 13, verse 34 and 35, now Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. So he just got beyond the Ten Commandments. He said, now I'm going to give you a new one. Did you notice the other one was the old? Now he says new. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another not as you as you love yourself, but as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. So Jesus said, I've given you a new commandment. He's given you the, the new commandment out of the New Testament, out of the New Covenant, a new commandment that's not the Ten Commandments, a new commandment. So what's the difference between the new and the old? The old is love your neighbors, you love yourself, so you treat people good as long as they treat you good. That's the old for non-born-again people. That's how they live. A human emotional feeling uh, kind of love. It's a filial brotherly love. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. I don't get mad, I get even. Okay, I'll show you. Here's what I'll do. That's the old, that's the old love. That's under the old covenant that Jesus said, now, he said, I'm going to give you a new one. Said, here's how we do it. In the new family you're in. He said, you love like I've loved, and that's called agape. That word there is agape love. And the God kind of love, it's not a human natural love. It's not based upon feeling or emotions, but upon what's in your heart. And we're going to look at what's in your heart. 
God doesn't love us because we're so good. God loves us because He's so good. I want to say that again. God doesn't love us because we're so good. He loves us because He's so good. And Jesus told us we could love like He loves. We, as born-again Christians, in the time we live in, must start learning to live out of our spirit and not our head. And you know, when I say things like that, I think of Dr. Lester Summerall. He was one of my Bible school teachers. I was associate pastor at a TV station back in uh, the mid-80s. And Dr. Summerall really influenced me and impressed me a lot with the things that he taught. But I, he all the time, all the time said, live out of your spirit. Throw your emotions in the garbage can where they belong. He said, throw your feelings in the garbage can. You can't help anybody if you live off your feelings. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just love us when we're doing good? Aren't you glad the times you're acting like a jerk? The times you're absolutely disobeying God. And you're not loving God's people like you're supposed to. That God does say, okay, Norma, I'm done. That's it. You've ticked me off the last time. said, Blake, you started off pretty good, but now you're being a jerk again. So that's it, Blake, we're done. You know what God says? When Norman Blake's having a bad day, God says, I still love you this much. I love you so much. My son hung on the cross for you. God's not said I love you because you're good. God said I love you because I'm good. And so if Jesus said, Jesus said, don't love him like you love yourself. You love him like I love you. Amen. Get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. Right now, I want to say it again. I'm not saying what you're saying because I'm stuck in Newberry Springs where I'm not around people much. I'm out there. But you're around people every day. You're around people. And just because I know the nature of people, I know there's people that are crossing your path that they're miserable right now. And they're not treating you like they're treating you because they don't like you. Probably a lot of them don't even know you. There's people who work with you that don't know you very well. If they come in and load on you, they're just showing you how miserable they are on the inside. And that's not the time that you write them off. That's the time you do some things we'll be looking at in the Bible. That's the times the love of God through you reaches out to them. And because of his great love is why we're saved. Because of his great love is why we've got what we've got. And Jesus said, you love them like I've loved you. Don't you love them according to how you feel? Don't you love them and how they're treating you? You love them with my love is from your heart. It's in you. You love with my love. And then he said, they'll know you're my disciples because you don't retaliate. They'll know you're my disciples because when they cuss you, you don't cuss back. They'll show you my disciples. You're my disciples because when you go there at public places like that, they cut in line. Amen. They holler at you because you're not wearing a mask or because you're wearing a mask or whatever they do. That's the time you smile. And they won't see that, of course, because you're going to be compliant. You wear the mask. But if they don't, they just give it a quick flash them. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Jesus said, love like I love. And so look at 2 Corinthians 5, 
verse 17 and 18. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and 18. And I'm teaching you what's in your spirit so you can choose to live out of your spirit and tell your goofy head to shut up when it tries to make you go back and live like an old covenant person that just loves like you love yourself. How many, since you've been a Christian even sometimes, it was hard to love yourself because of dumb stuff? Has anybody besides me ever done dumb stuff where you know that, man, I shouldn't have done that, I just, oh, and you just want to cuss yourself out if you cussed? I hope you don't cuss anymore. <laughs> but sometimes you want to, or maybe sometimes a cuss word has come out of your mouth. And that made you then hate yourself. But that's the old man. We gotta get over that. So Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if any man, that means human being, man, woman, boy, or girl, be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, your old nature died. Behold, all things are become new, and all things are of God. All things are of God. And so when you got born again, your nature changed. If you're born again Christian, you're a new creation, you have a new nature on the inside of your spirit. We're not ordinary people. Creator's not just with us, He is in us. And He says all things in our new nature are the attributes and the characteristics of our new Father, God. You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to discipline yourself to live out of your spirit. Not your head or emotions, but out of your spirit. I want you to look at verse 14. This is not on the outline. But look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ constraineth us. And that's talking about living out of our spirit. That word constraineth comes from a couple words. One of it means it love of Christ holds us back. And the love of Christ urges us on. And what that means is this. You're around somebody in your family, somebody you work with, people you're in contact with, and they just, man, they keep on hitting you so hard and so much being so mean, so awful people. And the love of Christ holds us back from giving up on them, holds us back from unloading on them, holds us back of just getting them out of our life, and at the same time, it urges us on to keep loving, go the extra mile, go the extra mile, go the extra mile. Isn't that what God did with us? I don't know about you, but I first met Jesus Christ when I was a freshman in high school. I lived for him for about a year, then I walked away from him for the next bunch of years, until I was 28 and a half years old. All that time, the love of Christ, the love of Christ urged him on to not give up on me. It urged him on to keep having mercy on me. At the times I could have got killed because of things I was doing, the love of Christ protected me and held me anyway, and God kept on believing in me. He kept on believing in me that I was going to yield, I was going to yield, I was going to yield. And that's the way God says in us we're to do with other people. That love in us, if we live out of our spirit, not our head, for your wayward children, for those people in your life that once were your friends that turned their back on you, the ones that lie about you now. And by the way, I want to answer your question. Somebody's saying right now, they're thinking, I don't understand why they're treating me this way. 
I don't understand why they're lying about me. I don't understand why they're acting like that. I did nothing to them. I'm going to give you your answer. Satan hates you. They don't know how to yield the love of God, and so the devil's trying to use them to pull you back. Don't fall for it. You've got something in you that they don't have in them yet. Or maybe they've got that love, they don't know how to use it yet. And so that's the devil trying to get you into a trap, turn away from God, or to get out of the love walk so your faith won't work. And so the next time that thought hits your head, or the next time you want to post on Facebook about them, next time you want to complain to all those around you about them, stop, keep your mouth shut, don't speak those words out, just say, Father, I forgive them for they don't know what they do. And Lord, show me what I can do to help them. And I can tell you one thing you can do. Jesus went about doing good, healing all the oppressed of the devil. They are oppressed of the devil. And that's why they're doing what they're doing. And you can go about doing good because you're anointed. God's with you. You can lay hands on them. You can pray for them. You can get that oppression off them. You can get them healed if they're fearful about their health. You can get their family healed if they're fearful, fearful about their health. I tell you what to do. Jesus said, do what he did. What did he do? He went about doing good and healing. Amen. It's a good time to clap. That love is in your spirit. It's not in your head. Look at Romans 5. Look at Romans 5, verse 5. This this is some verses that should be a part of your... uh, Holy Ghost vocabulary on the inside of you that you quote out of your mouth to help you live out of your spirit and not just your head. Romans 5, verse 5, says, Hope maketh not ashamed because, here's a Bible fact. This is a fact of the new creation in Christ. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, not in our heads, not in our feelings, not in our emotions. The love of God is in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. God's love is in your heart. If you don't read your Bible and pray consistently, you'll live out of your head. When you're challenged by challenging people, your head will take over. But it says God's love is in your heart. You've got to stop, and you've got to say things like, Thank you, Jesus. Your love's in my heart. Thank you, Jesus. I can love like you love. Thank you, Jesus, that greater hits in me than hits in the world. And Lord, I choose right now to shut my mind up and say, and if you have to, say, mind in the name of Jesus, be still. And then say, Lord, I'm listening to right down here. You said I can love like you love. You said my heart is full of your love. And so I'm asking you right now, Lord, How can I love them? If you were here right now, Jesus, live it in me, because you really are, what would you do to help these people? And sometimes, you know what it says, the Bible says Jesus did sometimes? It says he answered them not a word, and he walked away. Sometimes it says he opened his mouth and spoke some very anointed, rebuking words. But you have to listen to the Spirit in you, and know, is this the time I'm silent? Is this the time I speak up? But the bottom line is, the Jesus in you where the love is knows what they need to hear right now. And sometimes, 
They need to hear the truth, but not this time. Sometimes they just need a smile and a walk away. And do you know that when that woman was brought to Jesus that was caught in adultery, and those people are all what Jesus, to unload on here what Jesus did, it says he stooped on the ground and roped his finger in the dirt and answered them not a word. And then finally when they pressed him, he just looked up at them and told them what they needed to hear. He said, he among you is without sin, you cast the first stone. That was the love of God speaking to them. And that was the love of God helping that woman. And they looked at that woman, he said, go and sin no more now. Amen. And so the love of God is always going to help people. Look at Galatians 5. Verse 22 and 23. And I've showed you these verses because Jesus told us we can love like he loved and he expects us to. And we are equipped to. We've got God's nature. We've got God's ability. We've got God's spirit. You know the Holy Spirit is the spirit of God? And the Holy Spirit is not just with us. I want to keep saying that. So we need to hear this. He's not just with us. He's actually in us, on the inside of us. We are supernatural people. Galatians 5, <clears throat> verse 22 and 23, says, The fruit of the Spirit. Now, as I read this, I want to say something to you that may be revolutionary. You may have not have realized this. The fruit of the Spirit describes the character of God the character of Jesus. And the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus is in our hearts. And we must transform this into our heads and our thinking to where we actually live like this. It says the fruit of the Spirit, or I like to say it this way, the character of God is love. How many know that over and over the Bible says God is love, God is love, God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The fruit of the Spirit or the character of God is love, and that fruit is in us, is joy. The Bible teaches so much about joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. strength. We're to rejoice. We're to have joy over and over again. God has lots of joy. That's his character. Peace. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's in the midst of a storm on the Sea of Galilee been overcome with all those things around him, and says Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And the disciples said, Jesus, aren't you worried? Jesus said, I already told you with words out of my mouth we were going to the other side of this lake. He said, why would I worry since I know where we're going? My words are working. And so he had peace. Long-suffering. When you have difficult people, sometimes you have to suffer for a long time and I, I know one guy that's a preacher now that preaches in California that when he wasn't a preacher yet, God gave him a real good job one time and he worked with nothing but some really serious sinners that lied about him, talked about him, and he quit that job too soon because he didn't suffer long enough. That preacher preaching right here tonight. I learned my lesson that God gave me his character so I could put up with people for a long time. I bailed out. And life didn't go well. For a while, I had to repent to God 
because I quit on an assignment he gave me. He planted me with a bunch of sinners that were really some pretty serious, mean guys. And when he planted me with them, I lasted for a couple years, and then I quit. And then I, I told everybody that God promoted me to a better job. I went to the better job, and man, I'll tell you what, I used to work, I used to work with some of the devil's helpers. The next job, I worked with the devil and my boss. It was really bad. I jumped, I, I jumped out of the frying pan into the fire, and so I repented to God because I left a job too soon. Then finally I got blessed with a better job, but because I left, but God gives us his characteristic of long-suffering. So I said that to talk to you. If you're in a difficult situation on a job right now with people, if there's people around you right now, look on the inside of your spirit. God gives you something you can suffer along with difficult people. Amen. And the first way you do that is that first characteristic is called love. And then also, God's character is gentleness. You can be gentle while you're suffering long. And by the way, did you notice it didn't say short-suffering? You think God knows the difference between long and short? If you walk in love, it'll make the long time seem shorter. Amen. Katie, there's another nugget. Make me know those little books. Put that stuff in there. Okay. Goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance, against such there's no law. And so we're not going to keep going real long because I know it's Wednesday night and those things. But the fruit of your born-again spirit from the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the characteristics of God, enable you to walk in the love of God that Jesus gave you. We can plainly see why Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Because the Old Testament people did not have the character of God in them where they could have obeyed the new commandment to love like God loves. Amen? And so because we have the character of God, born-again Christians, we have the nature of God, we have the ability of God, we have the power of God, we have all of God on the inside of us, we can love people like God loves people, and I want to close by looking at this, one of these opening verses, Acts 10, 38 again. And I want you to see this because I really believe with all of my heart there's people out there with you that are assignments from God for you to help them. Amen. I'll tell you what, the anointing of God does, th- does things that no psychiatrist no positive thinker, no, no good-talking Christian can do. The anointing changes things. The anointing does things. Acts 10.38, we can do the works of Jesus. How God anointed, how God anointed Jessica, how God anointed Jesse, how God anointed uh, Hannah, how God anointed Pam, how God anointed Alex, how God anointed Joshua, how God anointed Chuck of Barstow. The anointed of God, here he's talking about anointed Jesus of Nazareth, but now all the little Jesuses that are in here live in Barstow in this area right here. How God anointed Doug of the Santa Fe Railroad with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went every day into his job, healed all that were pressed the devil around him, for God was with him. 
how God anointed that other great man back there, Austin. How God anointed Austin of the Santa Fe Railroad with the Holy Ghost and with power. How God anointed Irma of Walmart with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good. How God anointed Cletus who went up to the Ford every day with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were pressing the devil for God. And Anthony, we're not forgetting you. How God anointed Anthony of Eddie's world with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and letting all those tourists that were oppressing the devil come into Eddie's world. And so I believe in this with you. Take these words to heart. Put them into action in your life. Those people that are oppressed. Those people that are sick. Those people that are messed up. God said, Blake, I've sent them in there to you, not by chance or accident. You got me with you. Pray for them. Speak anointed words to them. And Jesus said, I will confirm my word with signs following. That oppression will leave because of the anointing. Healing will come to their bodies because of the anointing. And then Jesus said, I'll get the glory and I'll give it to my Father. Because you are my disciples and all men will know you're my disciples. Because you have this love one for another. Don't just give a bottle of water. Give some anointing. Amen, amen, amen. You can love like Jesus loved. You can do what Jesus did because the Bible says you can. Amen. Let's stand up and give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad I came tonight. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm here. I didn't have any oppression, but if it tried to knock on my door, it sure ran now. Amen. Pastor Dave. All right. What a good time tonight. Amen. Who had a good time at church? Amen. Remember, you, it's our job to show the love of God. You're going to love your boss tomorrow morning, whether he had a good time with his wife or not. Amen. Uh, that's a good one. All right. Anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. Good times. I want to remind you, um, this Sunday, uh, we're going to be continuing our Love Riot series Sunday morning. I'm excited about that. Got more coming at you. And, um, our, we got our t-shirts ordered. We had over 80 80 t-shirts ordered, so we're going to really be plastering Barstow even better than I thought. Uh, I got a few extras in there if you didn't get one, and I have your size in stock. You can grab one, but uh, those won't be here this Sunday, but they should be here next Sunday because they're getting those printed and everything like that. Amen. And so just lots of great stuff happening. It's a good time to be alive. Amen. People are like, what a crazy time. I'm like, it's a good time to be alive if you got Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out in prayer tonight, and then we'll speak our Barstow Faith Confession, and we'll get you on your way. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we speak a blessing over everybody under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, I say in Jesus' name that they're healthy, they're whole, no plague can come near them, Lord, that their finances, their money is blessed. Lord, their marriages are blessed. Their children are blessed, Lord. They're blessed coming in. They're blessed going out. They're blessed in the city. They're blessed in the field. Everywhere they go and everything they set their hand to, Lord, they always succeed and are always blessed in everything. We love you. And I declare that tomorrow is going to be an awesome day in their lives. They're going to just wake up ready to go and have a blessed powerful, anointed day all day long. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and speak some words of faith over Barstow tonight. Then we'll send you on your way and 
shouting the victory the whole way. Amen. Let's say this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. We will see you Sunday.